Did Jesus categorize people? Did he teach that there are good fish and bad fish to be separated at the end? The bad fish being thrown into hell? Or as Titus in the New Testament states, is Jesus, quote, the grace of God that's appeared for the salvation of all men? One of the challenges in Jesus' parables is dealing with the complexity of human nature. And that issue is highlighted in the life of Oscar Schindler. Oscar Schindler, you've heard of him. Born on April 28, 1908, in Austria, Hungary. 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 His occupation was an industrialist and member of the Nazi party. He acquired an enamelware factory in Krakow in 1939. He employed Jewish workers, initially for profit motives. And as a member of the Nazi party, he had joined for business reasons and social involvement. But witnessing the persecution that was taking place of the Jews, that became a key turning point for Oscar. He changed in his perspective. From profit-driven to humanitarian motives, Oscar's efforts to protect his workers became later, as we now know him, and his efforts globally transforming in humanitarian mercy and reaching. He subtly defied Nazi policies. He had a list of some 1,200 Jews that he was committed to protecting, hiding, underwriting their lives. He truly exhibited and was a beacon in a dark, dark time. He was honored as righteous among the nations by Yad Vashem in 1963. Imagine receiving that kind of honor from the Jewish people, and in particular, this Jewish rabbi, after being a member of the Nazi party. He said, and I quote, I did what I could, what I had to do, what my conscience told me I must do. He's also, here's a, his grave site. He lived from 1908 to 1974. He's also quoted as saying this, power is when you have every justification to kill someone and then you don't. <laughs> Think of that the next time you're driving down the highway and road rage overcomes your spirit <laughs> and you want to give somebody the three-finger hello. But no parable of Jesus is more complex and difficult to understand than the one we find in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 13. 
there's actually seven or eight different parables in that one chapter the parable of the sower the parable of the weeds the parables of the mustard seed and the yeast the parable of the hidden treasure parable of the pearl the parable of the owner of the house the one however I want to focus on today with you is called the parable of the net it compares the kingdom of heaven to a fishing net that catches all kinds of fish some bad and some good symbolizing the final judgment when the righteous will be separated from the wicked so here's our text and if you have a Bible want to turn to it or your device on your device join me in Matthew's gospel chapter 13 I'll begin reading in verse 47 again the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind and when it was full they drew it ashore sat down and put the good into baskets but threw out the bad so it will be at the end of the age the angels will come out and here's the clobber time part of the scripture the angels are going to come out they'll separate the evil from the righteous throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth praise God God loves you God loves the whole world unless you don't accept him and then he's going to throw you into hell because he's just got uh, you know anger issues in his book Hidden in Contradiction Jeff McSwain tells a story of a Tennessee pastor who delivered a scathing critique of Jeff's approach to theology and in a written critique listed why Jeff had taken quote a serious departure from the biblical evangelical message now here's the actual outline of what that pastor gave to Jeff as the tenets of the true gospel quote true gospel number one all humanity is divided into two groups the good fish and the bad fish he cited by the way the wheat and the tares the narrow and the wide roads the good and the bad tree and the sheep and the goats number two all people begin in the group that isn't good to be in but because of what Jesus has done in his death and resurrection it is possible it's possible to pass into the group that is good to be in so you don't start there but it's possible to pass and go there but of course you might not make it number three those who are saved redeemed justified born again spiritually alive from the dead weren't any of those things previously now watch this they became these when they did something now that's the gospel according to this preacher and by the way that's the gospel that's preached very commonly in a great majority of churches and gatherings and pulpits in evangelical western evangelicalism does that gospel sound familiar 
It should. Does it resonate, however? Does it resonate with the Holy Spirit that's in you? Does it resonate with who you know Jesus to be? Let's look again at our text and analyze this parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like the net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous, throw them into the uh, furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you ever read something in the Bible where you wanted some help understanding it? I know you haven't, Lee, being the, being the student and rabbi and Bible student scholar that you are. But no, I needed, I was reading through this, and I thought, you know, I've always believed a certain way about this passage. I've, I've taught this passage. And most people are in the bad fish group. And you're going to hell. <laughs> so, I reached out to my friend in California, John Master Giovanni, who's a Hebrew scholar and is also well-versed in Greek to talk to him about this passage. He said, well, first of all, Jeff, we read this text as though it's got to be horizontally read and understood. Okay, it's very linear. But not so. That's not how Jesus stated it, and it was not the Hebraic mindset of the Jewish people that were listening. They didn't listen with a horizontal, linear mindset. Let me give you an example. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. God causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. Now, when Jesus said that, it's true he said it, but that was spoken to a Jewish mindset. Here's what they heard. Actually, the Father doesn't see just and unjust. He just sees humanity. There's not a there's not, It wasn't a moral thing. Jesus wasn't pointing out a moral issue when he made the statement, it rains on the just and the unjust. God is good. He's talking about humanity. My friend said, quote, parables are not literal. They are meant to teach spiritual truth. Wow. We're always dissecting parables, looking at least from the schools I came from. We were taught to dissect parables and look at every word and teach them as commandments and principles that you had to lock into and obey. And that's never why Jesus taught in parables. Let's take a look, he said, Jeff, at the word bad and good, for instance. In the verse you're talking about, verse, primarily verse, let's say 45 here, or verse 48, whichever it is. He said, the Greek word for bad is kolos, or good is kolos. And it means beautiful, excellent, shapely, 
But the Greek word for bad means rotted, worn out. It no longer fits. Now remember that. Remember that specific definition for the word bad. It no longer fits. And so those fish got thrown out. Now, as we learned last week, you'll remember that the narrative of the Bible from Moses to Jesus is that God wants a relationship with humanity. And he will go out of his way and indeed has done everything within his power to try to have that with us. But we've developed a what? Hard heart. Remember that from last week? The Father wants intimacy with you. He is not a reluctant giver. He is not a reluctant Father. He's not angry. We think he is. He's not judging us. We think he is. He's not requiring sacrifice, especially blood sacrifice. They got that from pagan culture. He hasn't separated himself in righteous, holy anger. That comes as a result of our hard heart. So let's carefully reread this again in its context with the mindset and the culture that it was spoken. Ready? The third time. The reason I speak to them, I'm starting in verse 13 now. So context, couple back up a couple verses, then we'll read past verse 52 for a couple of verses, or past 51. The reason I speak to them in parables, Jesus says, is that seeing they do not perceive and hearing they do not listen, nor do they understand. You seeing something there? Seeing, hearing, listening. With them indeed is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah that says, you will indeed listen but not understand. You will indeed look but never perceive. Why? For this people's heart has grown dull and their ears are hard of hearing and they have shut their eyes so they might not look with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. But... What's my posture towards humanity? And I would heal them. I love you. I'm your father. There's nothing I wouldn't do to heal you, to care for you, to have intimacy with you. But your heart is hard. You keep turning off your eyes, your ears, your understanding and you grow distant from me. I don't leave. I'm not distant. I haven't gone anywhere. The byline of my title for all things new for this part two is the already present future. We are living now as a result of what Jesus did in the already present future. What happened? What happened here? Why is this passage so difficult for evangelicals? Jeff McSwain says in his book, this already present future is what the Bible calls grace. 
Grace is God's truth for humanity in Jesus Christ. It means every human's participation in the very life of God. So again, as we look at the text, starting in verse 47, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. Now remember, he's speaking this to Jewish people, and he's just said the context of this is you Pharisees, And you scribes who are very legal about everything, you've taught the people to have a legal constitutional relationship with God where I just want intimacy and their heart has grown hard. That's the context. And throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But watch this. There's a therefore. Have you... Not under, or have you understood this? They said, or answered, yes. And he said to them, therefore, stop. Jeff, bring the scripture down. What I teach you last week. What did we learn last week about therefores? If you read a therefore in the text, it means look back in the context or go forward and find out what the therefore means. So therefore, what I'm about to say is there because of something I've already said to you, which is there's a legal constitutional approach to God being worked here by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Your heart has grown hard. So now I'm going to try to give you an understanding, but you're not going to understand it. And he says... And I said to them, therefore, every scribe, who's that? Those were the legal interpreters, who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven, is like the master of a household who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. Oh, my goodness. There's the interpretation. We're no longer talking about moral bad and good. We're talking about new and old. The Greek word for new here is fresh, unprecedented, unheard of. The Greek word for old is ancient, no longer new, worn out. Remember what I told you earlier to remember this definition of the word bad? Now compare that to this old, ancient, no longer new, worn out. What's he talking about? That basing your relationship on a legal understanding of God and a constitutional reading of the Bible is old. It's law. And I am delivering you from that kind of understanding of God. Jesus didn't come to teach the law. He came to fulfill it and complete it. He's the only human being that could and he completed it and fulfilled it perfectly and in the same action delivered us from living under it the writer of Hebrews says this if the law had been capable of giving life there would not have been need for a new covenant so everything in the old covenant is in essence when it comes to law code worn out It's old, it doesn't apply anymore, 
it won't work. What's Jesus bringing us? Something new, unprecedented, unprecedented, unheard of. That's why the gospel, dear ones, is a scandal. The gospel of Jesus is a scandal. It's not based on a legal relationship with God of right and wrong and obey and disobey and blessing and cursing. It's based on Jesus who completed it all. Jeff in his book, and I quote, says this, and I want to say and make a bold statement here at the very beginning of 2024. I wish I had written this. I completely agree. Quote, every person who has ever lived, who lives or who will live, regardless of creed or belief, and regardless of whether they realize it or not, has a vibrant relationship with this Creator Savior. In fact, because Jesus' humanity defines every human person in this way, there is in reality no difference between, quote, a human being in Christ and simply a human being, end quote. There are one and the same. They are one and the same. The result is that no matter who you are, whether you consider yourself a person of faith or no faith, this book is about you, Christ in you, and you in Christ, end quote. Now, see, I actually find that in the New Testament. I find that a reality in the New Testament. How so? Look at this. Titus. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to some. Oh, I'm sorry. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to people who go to church. The grace of God has appeared. Hallelujah. Bringing salvation to those who believe the correct way. It doesn't say that, does it? You read it with me. Come on, it's on the screen there. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all. What is the grace? You're stumped? Let me put it a different way. Who is the grace? <laughs> Jesus is the grace that's appeared. The already present future is what the Bible calls grace. Grace is God's truth for humanity in Jesus Christ. It means every human's participation in the very life of God. Now, let's pull out a favorite clobber passage. You know what a clobber passage is, right? That's what evangelicals love to use to clobber people who don't believe the way they do and who don't go to church or maybe don't even have a walk of faith at all, aren't sure about this Jesus and all that. They use this to clobber them to try to get them to believe and repent. Okay, ready? You could probably quote it, right? Romans chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. Here it is. Since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, they are now justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Now, let me read it the way that I used to teach it, preach it, and the way 
Western evangelicalism, to a large degree, would present this. Ready? Here we go. Since all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Period. Everybody. Everybody's a sinner. All have fallen short. Period. Now, new sentence. To those who receive Jesus, they will be justified by his gift through the redemption that he has made available. Lots of extra words in there. And they aren't in the text. See, we just have a problem leaving this verse alone and reading it like it reads. Since all, how many is that, by the way? Since all have sinned. How many of you believe all have sinned? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, comma, no period. They, they who? The all are now justified by his grace. Who's justified? The same people that he said all have sinned. They all have now been justified through this gift, through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. It's the mercy of Jesus Christ that's the source through which we uncover and inherit and are inerrant or in inerrant goodness within. You you have there there's something that only God can give. In like manner, it is in Jesus Christ alone that we take on and address all chaos in our lives and the world, ultimately extinguishing it through his own sacrifice. Remember last week, and I saw, I'm sorry I keep adjusting my microphone because it, it, got, it, it got cockeyed here. So it, it keeps pulling, and I'm sorry, be, because it's, it's, it's tightening. I'm just, no, I'm just going to pull it out and look ugly. You know, I'm just going to look like I'm broken and, and don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> because what I've just read is what all of this is rolled up under. It's the mercy of Jesus that's the source through which we uncover inherent goodness within. In like manner, it is in Jesus Christ alone that we take on and address all chaos in our lives and our world, ultimately extinguishing it through his sacrifice. Do you have brokenness in your life? It's just in Jesus. Are you struggling financially? It's in Christ. Are you reaching for something that you feel your life lacks? It's in Christ. Did you sin this week and do something really ugly that you knew displeased God? It's already in Christ. See, In the same way we define our righteousness, we define our sin. Christ has taken it all. It's not mine any longer. He forgives me because he took it all. Oh, I love that. You remember last week we said, you know, you might be in a bad way circumstantially in your life to where in the morning you don't even feel like getting out of bed. Have you ever felt that way? I just, I don't want to get out of bed. I just have nothing to live for. No purpose. I, 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 I can't. 
but if you will just throw your legs over the side of the bed and lay there for a minute and then just sit up and reach that first leg out and take that step that is prayer and that is faith and that is living in Jesus because it's all about him anyway it's all in him we're not separate from him there's nothing I do good or bad that he hasn't consumed within his own humanity he wrote my life by living his he's prayed my prayers for me he's lived my faith for me he's taken my sin for me it's not mine anymore already present future we had a countdown this morning by a gentleman named Jordan Smith oh my lord get get Jordan's stuff on your playlist he sings a song called great you are here's the lyric the bridge in the song every breath I take it's for you every move that I make is toward you I will bow down my life there before you singing holy holy here's the chorus I won't let rocks cry out I'll shout it from the mountaintops let everything I am reveal the glory of how great you are I won't let a breath go by and miss the chance to lift you high let everything I am declare the story of how great you are and he ends with this every hour every second every heartbreak every blessing you can have it all now I would add to that he already is that for you in you